I'm looking forward to being able to engage with students every day, you know? I miss, I miss going around the lunchroom, getting to know the kids. I feel like I don't have that connection with kids. And so to have that regular opportunity to engage with them and get to know them and their interests and their strengths and just everything about them, I really miss that. From the Outreach Department at the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired in Austin, Texas, this is A Sense of Texas. Here is your host, Emily Coleman. Welcome to A Sense of Texas. I'm Emily Coleman, and we're back with the second part of our Superintendent Roundtable discussing the current school year. We start off by jumping right into remote learning pros and cons. You'll first hear from Gina Willette, superintendent from the California School for the Blind, followed by Rob Hare, superintendent at the Maryland School for the Blind, and then Scott McCollum, superintendent at the Washington State School for the Blind. You know, one of the things was and I'm sure we all went through this, was students who didn't know how to use the devices that they needed to use in order to access their learning. And so that was a huge struggle, I think, for many of our students and our staff was trying to teach students remotely how to use these devices that they, using that device was really complicated. You know, we, many of our students, um, I, I guess it's not fair to say many, but we, you know, we do have a number of students who don't have the parental support at home to help them um, for one reason or another. And that's been, you know, that's been a challenge too. We, we, you know, I'm thinking of a particular student who, who couldn't even log on independently. And um, this, this student's parent worked full time. And so during the school day, um, the teacher would call and get on the phone and try and walk the student through it, but it was a real struggle. Um, and so certainly, you know, that's been an issue, parent support. We've, we have shipped Wi-Fi devices to students. So most of our students have reliable Wi-Fi every once in a while, student that we thought had reliable Wi-Fi, we suddenly find out that they didn't, that they told us they did, but they were using their family's device, you know, their family's cell phone or what have you as a hotspot. And we're sort of just now finding this out despite confirming that it's not, but those are definitely the tech has been a challenge. Um, and then we, we have a, a very small handful of students who've just had a hard problem, a hard time engaging, um, you know, and just haven't. Luckily it's, it, I will say it's been just a few number of students, which doesn't make it any less important, um, but I'm glad it hasn't been more students. So we just keep working with those students and really trying to encourage them and engage them and lots of um, check-ins with them, with their families and, um, you know, trying to keep them with us. Remote learning, of, of course, has been the dream uh, for so many years. I, I, I've, I've told stories before about connecting with Washington State School many years ago about trying to design one. And, and now we have it. We have this ability to do this work, um, which is transformative. We've had two snow days that we didn't call snow days because we were able to do remote instruction this year, um, although we had some students on campus. Um, but yeah, it's not without us pitfalls. It certainly isn't perfect. We have students that we've given hotspots to 
Um, we've issued a lot of laptops and devices out to our students and families. We still have those students that don't attend every day on their device and, and they need parent support and their parents have to work. Um, so that's been really a challenge. That's all the more reason to get kids back on campus uh, for us. But on the other hand, we have this wonderful new tool that we can use for uh, some of these cases and for snow days. Although <laughs> we, we did have a half day of school and a half day playing in the snow. We decided that was too important. Um, but it's, it's nice not to have to make up those days at the end of the year and interrupt them. We had a similar snow day experience at WSSB and we're able to utilize our our remote um, abilities to, to avoid having to cancel school. One of the, you know, in many ways, WSSB was um, somewhat prepared for some of this because we had been teaching, you know, remote classes um, through our school since about 2003, but not every teacher was doing that. And so now every teacher was required to do that. And so there was the digital literacy of staff proved to be a challenge for, in some ways, um, to providing appropriate services in a remote service uh, model. A another challenge that we found was that um, many families had, you know, everybody was now remote and many families had multiple children who were all online and their parents were working online. And so bandwidth became an issue when we're running all these classes. For us, it was through Zoom. Um, people are experiencing lots of disruptions in the classes and it's hard to learn when the continuity of the class is continually disrupted because of bandwidth issues that are just beyond your control. So th that has been a, a challenge for us in addition to uh, what both Gina and Rob have mentioned. Yeah, you know, we we were hoping to use our remote learning for weather days too and then, <laughs> You know, when we had the big storm in Texas recently, the the first day that we had snow on the ground, I said, hey, let's try remote learning. You know, we can do this. And then we learned that, uh, what was it, like 56% of our staff didn't have power that day, but we didn't know going into it. And so it was, it was just one of those things where I was like, okay, I really wanted to connect with kids. We tried it. It didn't work. But, you know, then the following week when we were still remote because of facility damage, we were able to do 100% remote instruction and check in on kids and build those connections, which I think was really important for all of us. What about some of your successes this year? You know, I think I've just seen some things happen here with, with staff engagement and supporting each other and, and um, that's really strengthened our community. But what are some things that you all have seen in your schools that you feel like are a success during this crazy time? Well, I have to jump in about uh, the mobility matters thing that happened today. We, we'd had this collaborative effort with uh, the American Printing House for the Blind and Portland State University and Fort Vancouver to offer a, um, a, a remote uh, field trip of Fort Vancouver National Historic Site. And so it, it's just an example of the creativity that's come out. And our students were leaders in this effort. And it was so awesome to watch this happen in, in a way that in many ways, if it had been on our campus, they would have been leaders or had this opportunity, but it would have been to a much smaller audience. And today they had an opportunity to be a leader in front of people across the nation. And it was so exciting. So that, that creativity is just mind blowing for me. And I'm so, I'm just like, 
over the moon proud of the students and the staff that contributed to that effort? I think we've had, I've seen a lot of silver linings, I have to say. I mean, one of the things that I've heard multiple staff talk about is having a closer relationship with parents, which has been great. I think, I think we've always done a good job at communicating with parents, you know, lots of phone calls and emails, but we do, you know, we're a big state geographically. And so there's parents that we may only see once a year if we're lucky. And now teachers are sort of seeing them two, three, four, sometimes five days a week in the background or what have you. And a lot of um, teachers have feel like they just have a, have a strengthened relationship with parents. Um, and staff have also reported that they feel like the collaboration has been better. I, I've sort of always seen ours, our school is a, a school that, that um, embraces collaboration, but I think this highlighted that there was sort of more people working in silos than, than we really realized before. And so definitely it's harder to work in a silo when you're doing like an assessment in this kind of format, you really need to be working much more closely. So we've seen, we've seen um, a lot better collaboration between staff. Um, we have some students that are actually really thriving in a distance learning format, especially some of our students that have some behavioral challenges. They're at home, it's more comfortable. There are fewer distractions. Um, fewer demands at times. And so we have some students that are actually making more progress than they did when they were in person because um, they've, they've had fewer behavioral challenges, which has led more time to, to instruction, which has been great. Um, we've also done quite a few projects in our facilities that would have been really challenging uh, with a school full of people. So we did a, we rekey, we did a major rekeying project, a, a major, all, all of our bazillion light bulbs on campus were upgraded to LEDs, trees removed. I mean, there's been quite a few projects that would have been really challenging with students here. So that's kind of a silver lining too, I have to say. Well, we had to remove some trees because they had to be removed. So it didn't really matter. But <laughs> they were falling down whether we wanted the kids here, here or not. But yeah, that's um, definitely true. We've been able to get a few extra things done. Um, and it, we've already talked about how valuable it is to have these skills under our belt. We've had a few kids that have thrived as well um, at the, the Maryland School for the Blind. And somehow through this process, we've been We've been able to connect with our community even more. We've, we've had weekly town hall meetings and monthly parent town hall meetings. The, the parent town hall meetings have not been attended as much as I thought they would be, but the staff, I, you know, I have almost 350 staff that attend every week out of our 400 staff. And it's amazing to me. And we, so we it started off like, you know, wartime control, like, this is what's happening. It's, you know, the, you know it's, it's, it's all urgent, urgent information is turned into um, information sharing, but also celebrating staff. They're doing a great job talking about what's happening on the campus, the upgrades, some of those projects that we've been able to do while not because we're, we've been remote, but because we're still fixing up things on campus and replacing things. And we, we've renovated our gym and we've, these things were happening anyway, but we've been able to celebrate together in a way that we never did before. We never had meetings every week with all of our staff. Um, so it's kind of, that's kind of a neat thing to be able to do now. We also, I, I forgot to say that um, we, some of our models have, have changed. So our early intervention 
services was was already sort of going to more of a parent coaching and consult rather than actually always going into the home and providing that direct. So now we're actually restructuring some of our positions because people, teachers can see a whole lot more parents and they're just coaching them and they can see the baby on the screen and they can talk with them, you know, do this, do that. And they don't have to travel across the state. Now we're not as big as California, but it still makes a huge difference in your caseload. You can see more kids and you can do more because you don't need to be there physically every single week with these families. So this is really, it's going to change the way that we, we work with a lot of our families. Yeah. You know, we've been, all of us in our field have heard people say for many years, just that, you know, it has to be in person. It has to be in person. You know, I've been in outreach leading up to this role my entire career. And I couldn't imagine doing remote instruction as an itinerant TVI. But now, like having seen it happen, I certainly wouldn't want it to be that way all the time. But by supplementing in person with remote, you really can expand what you offer our students. And so I think that some of these things are going to be long-term changes for, for the better, uh, definitely for sure. You know, we had another one of our big successes has been just um, our professional development. You know, a big part of what TSBBI does is outreach outside of our school and being able to offer sessions that um, people can attend from anywhere. I mean, internationally, and we have a Monday, um, you know, we're recording this in February. Who knows when it's going to air, but uh, we have our deafblind symposium this month and like almost a thousand registrants for something that normally has like 250 in person um, is just incredible to think about how much you can expand your reach. So, you know, some of these things are uh, tough to make the adjustment, but it's, it's for the better in some cases. So the thing we're grappling with now is summer, right? Like every time we figure out one part of the school year, I start getting questions about what are we going to do about prom? What are we going to do about graduation? And now summer. So we're planning for 18 different versions of something. <laughs> what about any of you? Have you started planning for summer yet? Does it look like you might try for some in-person or what's it like nowadays in your neck of the woods? Well, at WSSB, we're aiming for summer programs in person and to start immediately after the school year. Um, and in a typical year, we um, preference or provide preference to students who don't attend WSSB to attend our summer programs. Um, but this year, we're really focusing in on the students who attend WSSB and um, want to get them on campus. And we're looking for an extended um, opportunity for each of them. Of course, that's dependent on having the willingness of students and families to, to do that immediately after a really difficult school year, but also the willingness of our staff. And so um, my fingers are crossed that this is something that we're going to be able to pull off. We have the resources to do it. We know how to do it. Um, but it's been such a difficult year for everybody that I don't know how everybody's going to be feeling in terms of their bandwidth to do this. It's it's just been a, it's, everyone's going to need a break too. So, but we're looking for in-person summer programs at WSSB. So we, in California, we run uh, summer academies uh, throughout the month of June, and those are intended for students that aren't enrolled at our school. So that's part of our outreach program. 
Um, and then we run more of a traditional sort of IEP driven extended school year program in July. Our outreach director, Adrian Amandi, he really felt like the amount of planning that goes into our summer academies, we run three to four academies per week through June. He felt, he, he felt like it was too much to expect his staff or our staff to um, design essentially two completely different in-person and an online. So he, about a month ago, um, you know, we sort of talked about it and he really felt like it was time to make the call one way or the other. And um, he decided that online was gonna be the way to go for his program and I supported him in that. So our summer academies will be online. Our extended school year in July, if we're back in person this school year, I expect that our summer, our, our extended school year would also be in person. If we don't make it back in person this school year, um, I really am sort of hoping beyond hope. I think we will do everything in our power to make our extended school year in person and sort of do like a reverse pilot. Last summer, we sort of piloted our distance learning um, and that we put in place for the school year. And we would sort of pilot our in-person learning and what that's gonna look like given all the restrictions. Um, so I'm sort of cautiously optimistic about having an in-person extended school year in July, but our summer academies will be online. Yeah, in Maryland, I, 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 I feel like the vaccines are a, truly a game changer uh, for all of us if we can get them. Um, I've been fortunate enough to get them for our staff. And although there's a, you know about 30% are uh, hesitant about vaccines right now, we continue to have this relationship with the hospital um, that's providing this clinic for us so we can get more people vaccinated. I just, unless something really drastic changes, I think we're gonna be all back in person and we're gonna be back in person. Uh, right now, our schedule is for K preschool through 12th grade to be in person by the beginning of April. And we're bringing a few grades back every couple of weeks. And then after that, I think we're going to be full, but that's in an alternating schedule. So we can have like, a, like the, the two third grade classrooms can share like one's on, one's off, and they can share space for overflow and to spread out. But I think with the vaccines, we're going to be all back on the same time every week, five days a week, pretty soon. At least that's what I'm praying and hopeful, hoping for. Um, and then the summer school will, will be in person for summer school. Now the big, the, the, um, one of the challenges for us is that in our state, um, compensatory services is, has been brought up is that we need, we have to offer compensatory services. And so our staff are burned out. Everybody's tired. We're really, everybody's working so hard. And then to add more weeks to our calendar. So we're trying to figure out how can we do some compensatory process without killing everybody? Like everybody's just done. Um, so that's, in, so we're not sure whether we're gonna add a couple more weeks to the summer or have some days designated as ESY and then a couple of other days as compensatory ed so that we can do it all in one fell swoop. I'm not sure how we're gonna do that. But yeah, we plan to be back. Yeah, compensatory ed is gonna be the conversation I think for a while. Um, and I'm with you, like I'm exhausted. I can't imagine what teachers feel like, you know, I'm so, we have spring break coming up and people need it so badly. And it feels like we just had Christmas break, but we're all running double time these days. And so it's really hard to ask more of them once the year's over. So, 
So what do you think will be most remembered about this time? And what are you looking forward to when the, when the pandemic is behind us? I don't know what will be most remembered. The shared trauma that we all experienced uh, will be something that's just sort of an interesting experience because we've all now been through the same thing for the same amount of time, basically. Um, I'm looking forward to being able to engage with students every day, you know? I miss you know, going, sorry, I miss going around the lunchroom, getting to know the kids. Um, I feel so, I feel like I don't have that connection with kids. And so, and I imagine our teachers feel similarly in some ways, even though they're with them on Zoom or uh, it's now to some degree in person, but I, I just, to have that regular opportunity to engage with them and get to know them and their interests and their strengths and just everything about them. I really miss that. And, and I imagine so many people miss that connection. And I, as soon as we started bringing students back on campus, there was just this collective joy that, that was experienced even by the handful of students that were there and the handful of staff that were on campus, that that just is like filling everybody's bucket every day. And so, uh, to be able to do that on a regular basis, um, I can't wait. I think, um, you know, I, I think Scott sort of summed it up for at least certainly it resonated with me. I hope it's not the trauma. I hope that's not what we remember. I mean, I think, you know, we know kids are, we, this has been traumatic. We know kids are resilient. I really, I hope it's not the trauma, it sounds kind of cliched, but I hope it's the sort of shared experience of survival of, you know, we made it through. It's interesting, I think, with our students and even with my own children, I've, I've sort of said to them, you know, this between COVID and sort of the social unrest in our country this last, you know, year or, or more, um, they're going to tell their, their, their own children are going to read about this in the history books, right? And they've lived it. So it is this sort of very historical, unprecedented time. Um, and, uh, and I just, what Scott said, I mean, I miss having students on our campus so much, you know, whenever I'm on site and walk around, it's just, it's like a ghost town and, uh, and it's a place that should be filled with students who are laughing and learning. And it's, uh, it's just really tough. We have a student who is new to us this year and is also graduating this year. And this is my 15th year at CSB. And this will be the first student that ever attended our school that I, I didn't know. And that kills me. You know, it may sound really minor, but um, I'm used to having a personal relationship with, I know every student by name on our campus. And I'm, I'm used to that for all these years and to have this one student. And I just learned that today that he's graduating and it just really hit me that um, I don't know him and I won't, I, I won't have an opportunity to know him and that. I just, I just want our kids back. So that's definitely, and our staff, I, we miss seeing our staff. And when, I'm, when a staff member unexpectedly shows up on campus, when I'm there, it's like, no matter who it is, it's so exciting. Like, oh my gosh, um, because we're just, it's, it's great to see them. So, um, yeah. Wow. It's, it's um, I have to say, it's a little bit moving hearing you both talk about um, how, overwhelming it feels to see people and to see people that you care about, the students and the staff. I also feel that way when I'm in the office and uh, now that we've got staff back on campus as of the past um, three or four weeks, it's just so, it just makes me so happy to see the kids and to see the kids light up 
and be so excited to be back on campus. It's really, it means, it means a lot. I also try make an effort to know everybody's name <laughs> and I, I'm not as good as you are, Gina. I, I have, I actually have like pictures of all the kids and all the staff, all the new, all the newbies on my bulletin board so that I can, I try to practice so I can recognize their names um, and, uh, and, and, and call them by name when I see them. That's important to me. That connection with people, like you've all already said so much, it's going to be great to see everybody again, to have little birthday get togethers, to have my, my team around the table, having a conference and talking together instead of on zoom. I'm so tired of zoom. Uh, with all the advantages of not having to travel to meetings, I'm done. I'm done with it. Um, but as far as what we're going to remember, I I think I don't know if you've seen some of the writing recently about oh all these kids are missing all this stuff and they're going to be regressing and and while there's I'm concerned about that certainly um that's not lost on me. There's also this bit about how um, this this going through these difficult times going through the political upheaval, the Black Lives Matter, um, going through the pandemic has made kids stronger and it's gonna make them more resilient, making us all a little more resilient, even though we're all gonna have hours of therapy ahead of us, but we're also gonna be stronger in some ways. And we have to learn to deal with uh, certain life things. I have one student and he has got significant other disabilities. He's got a lot of stuff going on. But he's on he's on social media and he's like Black Lives Matter and I you know I'm sticking up for my rights and I'm like all right like he, this kid has really grown in this environment even though we're all separated and I just have to believe that the human spirit that kids are going to be strong through this and um, yeah I'm not so sure that we're losing so much when we're learning so much. You know, we had a, this summer when, when we learned um, that we were going to be bringing back all the kids that opted for in-person instruction. And I was, I was worried because we have a varied population and what's that going to look like? And um, one of our staff sent me a picture of a student that she was working with during the summer and the student had a mask on and they were out walking. And this is um, one of our students who I thought would really struggle with, with mask wearing and, and um, her picture just had a simple sentence that just said, you know, that, that check her out, you know, she also can be a responsible citizen. And I think, you know, we're, we're teaching them so much more this year that we would have never had so many conversations about your community, looking out for your fellow man, you know, doing something for the health and the benefit of somebody else. And, and I think students and staff alike are learning that message. I mean, think about how less egocentric our worlds are now. <laughs> like every, when I go to the grocery store, I'm wearing a mask because literally I don't want anyone else to get sick. And I don't know if I've ever cared before going to the store with a cold, <laughs> you know, just like, oh, well, it's just a cold. But um, it's just, it's, it's made our communities so much greater. And, and so I think that that's, I think that will continue to happen. And, you know, you talk about meeting with staff as they come back to campus. And I got to say, after the storm we had last week, um, this week, we offered two days of uh, free meals to staff. If you're on campus, come to the cafeteria and have lunch. 
And that was so selfish on my part because I was desperate to see people. I was like, maybe they'll come in for food, you know? And, um, and yes, we had to move some finances around to make it happen, but it would just seeing people connect and share their stories of this one traumatic event reminded me so much of like COVID and that that is what it's going to be like when everybody's back is like just sharing like this is what it was like for me and and um the relationship the relationship building i think is just going to be exponential you bring up a super good point though emily that power of like that community spirit has i don't know it's it has a different meaning now it, it it's it's stronger and in a different way and, and i'm kind of excited for this generation of children then to become leaders and I, I don't know maybe the world will change in a much better way because of that community spirit that they all have um, embraced and now are, because they've endured this so it's cool and I love you guys <laughs> do you know an infant or toddler in Texas who may have a vision problem they may qualify for free services Support from a teacher of students with visual impairment may increase a child's success in school and life. Call 817-740-7530 to find out more. That's 817-740-7530. We've spent a lot of time thinking about what our students have missed this school year, but I keep thinking about something Rob said during this interview. He said, I'm not so sure that we're losing so much when we're learning so much. I've seen personal growth in our students, our employees, my family, and myself. We've all learned to be resilient, brave, hopeful, and kind. There are no better life lessons than those. From the TSBBI Outreach Department and Ascensive Texas, I'm Emily Coleman. See you next time.